from Jordan-Hare Stadium to Auburn Arena. From the Plains to the recruiting trail and all points in between. If it's Auburn, we've got it covered. Did I say War Eagle? Or War Eagle. That's it? War Eagle. This is the Auburn Undercover Podcast with Brandon Marcello. Hey everyone, I'm Brandon Marcello. Thanks for joining me here on the Auburn Undercover Podcast. What a weekend, huh? Uh, <laughs> wow, Auburn uh, defeating Alabama, as you all know, 48-45 in the Iron Bowl. Uh, dramatic, amazing moments. Uh, 10 lead changes, three ties, I believe. 48 combined points scored in the second quarter. Uh, Anders Carlson hitting four field goals of 43 yards or longer. Two pick sixes by Auburn's defense, by Zagobi McLean and and uh, Smoke Monday. Uh, just an incredible game. Auburn just really giving like everything they had to win that game, and, and, it, and it worked out. Um, and boy, was it fun to watch and cover. And uh, we got plenty of coverage at Auburn247sports.com. You can go read right now. Um, I'm not going to recap the game because you guys have seen it. You've heard about it. Now, I'll share some things from time to time on here. But th- these uh, days after uh, games, I like to take your questions and answer them. So some of the questions have to do with the Iron Bowl. Some things have to do with the future. And some things have to do with what's happening today, for example. So um, I like doing these because it's one, I'm, I, I will ramble, but at least it's a clear and precise um rambling if that makes sense with several different topics that you guys are interested in hearing about so i'm I'm gonna discuss a lot of things um on the podcast today by taking your questions first from the body get a message board at auburn 24 7 sports by the way we had a cyber monday sale which uh was an overwhelming success uh with new subscribers and we've been granted by 24 7 sports to extend that through tuesday for one day the deal is this, 75% off an annual subscription. It's, I, I mean, it's a ridiculous deal. We may never do it again. We're definitely not doing it for the rest of this year and maybe not in 2020. 75% off an annual deal. That's like $2.24 a month, I believe, for 12 months. It's nuts how great this deal is. It's ending today. So if you can sign up at auburn.247sports.com and you've got like 26 bucks to spare and you want a full year of VIP coverage and see all the VIP intel we provide every single day, today's the day to do it. Because after this, you're going to have to pay the full price of over 107 bucks. And who wants to do that? Go sign up today. auburn.247sports.com, VIP subscription. It's the best site out there. I mean, there's really no argument. All right, let's get to the Q&A, guys. And thank you so much for providing these questions. First, we go to the body get a message board at Auburn Undercover. Um, Class of 91 asks, after watching how Alabama uses Jalen Waddell, do you think coaches would be willing to use Anthony Schwartz in a similar way, especially in the return game? Um, well, Waddell was fantastic. Scored four touchdowns against Auburn, three rushing, and, of course, had that 98-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. You know, Auburn uses him short similarly. Um, they would have used him more uh, in the Iron Bowl, but he got injured in the, on the first play. 
And that's kind of been an issue for Schwartz. He's dealt with injuries, whether it's on the track, uh, track and field, um, or on the football field. Um, he's been injured several times this season. And obviously in the preseason with the hand injury they had to have surgery on, he uh, injured his hamstring back in the spring while he was running track. Um, I don't think he's really been 100% this season other than right when he returned from his hand injury as far as his running abilities. Um, these guys got world-class speed, but man, um, back to Waddle, he was by far the fastest player on the field. You guys saw that Saturday. I know a lot of people are taking issue with that <laughs> on the body game message board when I said that, but I mean, it's true. I mean, he was outrunning everybody. He was incredible. Um, having said that, I, I agree with you. Shorts can be used more in the return game. I don't necessarily understand why they're not using him in the return game. Maybe there's something else there that I haven't heard about. Maybe it's the injuries. Um, but it'll be interesting to see going forward. I think Schwartz obviously could do a lot more for this offense, but he's just been hampered by injuries. And um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens next season. You know, I'm sitting here thinking, will he leave the team to pursue an Olympic career after this year? I don't know. I think he's got one more year in him of football at Auburn. Thanks for the question, Class 91. Good one. Uh, PM. I don't know how to say that. T-R-0-P-M. Uh, ask, well, it's a long question, and it's like two questions, I think, or maybe it's a statement. I don't know. Do you put a lot of stock into the Alabama win and disregard the eggs we laid against LSU, Florida, Ole Miss, and Georgia on offense, or are those games still in the mind of the powers that be? You mean the that be? Uh, I'm still not convinced that Gus will take the next step in winning big games on the road. He has yet to prove he can win those. Okay. All right. <clears throat> get sit up my chair here i was relaxing and just had the microphone in front of me and i was drinking my my coca-cola uh, not a sponsor all right here are the facts man let me let's just listen to this okay nick saban in alabama has lost six regular season games since 2013 Three of those six losses are against two Gus Malzahn and Auburn. I understand you want to beat Georgia and LSU more often. I understand you want to win national titles. I understand you want to win big road games, which is top 10 games. I understand that. I do. But no one is going to fire Gus Malzahn after this season. I told you guys a week ago, two weeks ago, before the Georgia game, it wasn't happening unless he decides to leave on his own. Having said that, he's not leaving. He wants to win a championship here. Auburn fans need to realize something, and, and some of you probably never will. Every coach's tenure ends, right? But Gus Malzahn is the best coach for Auburn. He fits. He wins. And he's been the common denominator through this entire decade of Auburn going to three SEC championship games, winning two of them, and going to two BCS championship games and winning one national title. And he did all that in the most dominant decade that we may have seen from any team, especially in this modern era, from Alabama in the same state. Auburn, as I put it in a story on Monday, 
has traded jabs with Alabama when it was dominating the national landscape. And you're sitting around twiddling your thumbs thinking, when's Gus going to win a big road game? We're really trying to pick at things, anything we can. I don't understand this obsession. It's almost like you guys are like little, some of you, I'm not saying everybody, some of these fans that want Gus gone no matter what, you're like little kids picking at a scab over and over again, thinking that it's going to go away. I know that's a gross image, but I got a kid now, so. (laughs) I don't get it, guys. I don't. I just don't. Be happy with the Iron Bowl win. Why can't you be happy with that? Why is your first thought of, well, we laid eggs. Did Auburn really lay an egg at LSU? LSU's undefeated. Auburn lost 23-20. Did Auburn lay an egg against Ole Miss? They beat Ole Miss. I I don't get it. Okay, next question comes from AM9893. Does J.B. Grimes, the offensive line coach, or Kenny Dillingham, the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach, return? Um, I'd be surprised if both of them return. I, I think one of them is not going to be here next season at the very least, whether it's through Gus's decision or decisions of their own. Um, I think obviously Kenny Dillingham is very closely tied to Mike Norvell, who's at Memphis right now, but is apparently in the mix for several uh, jobs right now, including Florida State and maybe Arkansas. And then you had other jobs open up, including Ole Miss, which is right down the road from Memphis. Um, you know, Dillingham could possibly go back to Norvell's staff if he were to move on. Um, J.B. Grimes, he may just retire. Uh, that could potentially happen. Um, having said that, I think the only way any moves are made before early signing period is if one of them is leaving for another staff, which in this case I think would only potentially be Dillingham. All right, next question. D Gardner 89 asks, who do you think will step up for the offensive line next season? Well, I think Jaleel Irvin's one guy. We've seen him already this season um, against, uh, I know it was Sanford, but he had to play. Uh, Nick Brahms at center. Um, I've, I've got questions about the junior college kids coming in uh, for one reason or the other. Um, I'm interested to see what Darius Ham does. The talk we're hearing right now is that he might be playing right tackle next season instead of playing like guard um, or even left tackle. And our understanding is is that they're going to try Austin Troxel, who's coming off his third ACL injury and surgery, who sat out this entire year. He might move to left tackle instead of right tackle, where he was playing as the backup to Jack Driscoll. So he might be the starting left tackle next year, but they're getting an influx of new guys, a lot of new guys. They've got freshmen that they've developed over the last year. Um, positions are going to be wide open. Outside of center, everything's going to be wide open. But I really like Jaleel Irvin. We're going to see what he can do. I really like Broderius Ham. And if Austin Troxel comes back healthy, he'll probably be the starter at left tackle as uh, Prince Tega goes to the NFL. Uh, BWALCK asks, any updates on the football-only facility? Do you believe our Iron Bowl victory will have an impact on that process? Uh, BWAL, no. The only impact I think it could have on the – it won't have an impact on the timetable. Maybe it will have an impact on people wanting to donate money, but I, I don't know that for certain. Um, it's on It's on pace to be fine. They've got more than half of the money raised for it. 
from my understanding. Um, what was it? $31.5 million raised so far. Uh, so no, it won't, you can't, you can't speed up the timeline. Um, this isn't like Auburn's preparing for a, you know, a comet coming to earth and they've got to build a facility, you know, the, to house survivors. Um, it's a football only facility. So it's going to take about a year in design. You got to go through that. And then another year of construction. So you're looking at two years from this past, what, September, August. So maybe before um, the 2021 season. It, it, maybe it's up. Um, Trojan Tiger off the body of the message board at Auburn.247sports.com asks, who will replace Derek Brown and Marlon Davis on the defensive line? And how much of a drop-off is expected? I, I think... There will be a drop-off. I don't think it'll be substantial, but it there will be times where you're going, man, where, where's a dominant player in the middle? Um, I, I think they've got plenty of pieces. they got plenty of depth. they got play, players coming in. I really like Derek Hall um, on the edge. He could be a guy that steps in for Marlon Davidson and the step down's not all that big. Uh, in the middle, I think Auburn's got plenty of depth. Um, are they going to have another Derek Brown? I don't know. You know, when you guys look back, we're going to say that Derek Brown may have been one of the top two or three defensive linemen in in Auburn history. So how do you replace that? Having said that, they're still going to be good. And what's going to help next year is Auburn's going to be really – I mean, they're already good this year, but they're going to have so much experience back at linebacker. It's going to help a lot. Um, We're going to go to Twitter questions. A lot more of those um, coming up right after these messages. Welcome back. Again, make sure you go check out our Cyber Monday deal that's been extended through Tuesday, 75% off an annual subscription at auburn.247sports.com. Going through the end of the day, midnight Tuesday, it's an incredible deal. We'll never have it again. Go sign up today as a new member. We have sold, I can't tell you the number. Uh, I don't think I'm allowed to say the number, but there has been a huge, huge influx of new subscribers you got to take advantage of this holiday deal. You got to do it. All right, back to our questions. We're moving to Twitter now where I ask for your questions. And you guys certainly came through. And man, these are a lot. All right, here we go. We're starting with SEC StatCat, which, by the way, is a fantastic website. You guys should check it out, secstatcat.com. They break down offensive schemes, plays, uh, situations. Fantastic website. I don't know who does it and how they break it all down, especially for 14 teams. If it's just one guy, I think that's impossible. It's got to be a team of like seven people, right? Maybe I need to get to the, excuse me, to the bottom of that. Um, anyway, SEC StatCat asks, what's the best Van Halen song? Um, pro- To me, it's Why Can't This Be Love? Is that actually the official title? It probably isn't. Uh, but I love that song. I love it. Uh, Josh Pate, uh, Late Kick Josh. Uh, Josh, who has a great YouTube series called Late the Late Kick, you guys should check out on YouTube. Uh, If the fate of America depended on it, how confident would you be in your ability to jump from the student section to the field, clearing the bushes entirely? Um, If the fate of America depended on it, it would be 
it'd be like the movie Red Dawn, but with a bad ending. Because there's, I wouldn't even make it like a quarter of the way through the bushes. H- have you seen me? Do you think I have the leaping ability? Gravity would not allow me. I'd have to be on the moon to jump over those bushes. There's no way. But if the fate of America is riding on it, why is anybody turning to me to save America? Thanks for the question, Josh. And great work this year. Auburn Memes asks, was storming the field after a game that has no postseason championship meaning for Auburn a little over the top and worth $250,000? I don't know. My question is, my, my rebuttal is this. Who cares? Why is this a discussion? Why, why is everybody a party pooper? Why are there only certain criteria for rushing the field? Clemson rushes the field after every game. They're okay with it. They've won national titles. Why? Why? And they're going to be in the playoff this year, most likely. I, who cares? As long as the school's not like hurting to pay it, which they're not. Who cares? As long as no one gets hurt. Why is this a thing? Let people have fun. Good gosh. Does anybody sit on their deathbed and go, I really wish those kids wouldn't storm the field? Come on. Drew G asks, Auburn was picked to finish fourth in the SEC West in the preseason. Predicted to go seven and five or eight and four by most nationally. Um, they've finished nine and three with a chance to go ten and three. Maybe finish the same record as Bama. Here we go. Everybody's compared to Bama. Uh, how is this not considered a good slash successful season for Malzahn and Auburn? Um, I don't think anybody is saying this is not a successful season after beating Alabama. Maybe last week they were saying it's not necessarily what they want, but now they are. Also, if Auburn and Bama both finish 10-3, does that change the perspective on the whole season for Auburn fans? I think I just answered that question pretty much. I don't. If anybody's disappointed with this year after beating Alabama and potentially winning 10 games, even nine games with a freshman quarterback, come on now. Marcus Troxel asks, if AU ends up playing Wisconsin in the bowl game, how will Barry Alvarez <laughs> end up as the Wisconsin coach in order to fire the team up for yet another win over Auburn? <laughs> That's a great question. Yeah, If you guys remember, Barry Alvarez brought himself out of retirement in 2014 to coach in the Outback Bowl against Auburn, and they beat Auburn uh, in overtime. Um, I don't want to see Auburn versus Wisconsin again. I don't. That just that doesn't sound sexy to me. I'd rather than play Minnesota, to be honest, from a storyline standpoint, and definitely Michigan. Michigan would be awesome, but Wisconsin, I'm not feeling it, man. Just not. I don't know about you, though. I think it's a good matchup for Auburn. I really do. With the way Wisconsin runs the ball and what Auburn plays. Defense, you know, rush defense. Now that all depends on, you know, is Derek Brown, Marlon Davidson playing in the bowl game? That's a, you know, discussion for another day. Sean asks if Auburn has pulled off the comeback against Georgia, would they be the fourth team in the playoffs right now? Oh, that is a great hypothetical. Man. Dang, that is tough. I think that discussion would be being had right now, heading into the uh, 
playoff rankings heading into SEC championship weekend. I think that uh, I think this is what would I don't know I don't know I really don't know but that's a great question you know here's my thinking on it as far as the discussion for Auburn if Auburn had beaten Georgia um, Georgia would still be facing LSU in the SEC championship obviously I think I think Georgia would have to lose one obviously in the SEC championship game. And then, uh, and maybe it'd be a tight game, but they lose. And then other things would have to happen, like Oregon beating uh, Utah in the uh, Pac-12 for Auburn to to rise to the number four spot. I think like this week, if they had beaten Georgia, they'd be like five or six. But the the potential would be there, yeah, sure. It'd just be very, very difficult. Uh, An Auburn fan. Asks, what are the realistic expectations for the 2020 regular season schedule? Um, you know, I was thinking about that today. I'd say set your expectations nine wins. Because you get Kentucky on the schedule instead of Florida. Uh, you trade Oregon, so to speak, in the non-conference slate uh, with North Carolina, which should be better next season. Had a good year this year, considering the circumstances, with Mac Brown this first year. But I think Auburn should win nine games next season. Luke Glover asked, who was your MVP? Mine would be Booby Whitlow. He ran well, made some really good decisions on the Wildcat. Luke, are we just discussing the Iron Bowl? If we're talking about the Iron Bowl as far as MVP, oh, it's so difficult just to pick one person. I'd say Anders Carlson. Guy scored 12 points, kicked four field goals, 43 yards or longer. He had come into the game missing six straight field goals beyond 40 yards, and then he made four straight. You know, he misses one of those. It's going to overtime. You know, he misses two of them. Auburn loses. So I got to say Anders Carlson, the kicker. Joe Willard asks, is Nick Coe coming back next season? Um, I would, I kind of doubt it. I haven't heard anything definitive, obviously, but I kind of doubt he's going to be back next season. He's going to have to get back in the good graces of the coaches, too. This has been a very disappointing year for him on a lot of levels. I I just I don't know if he comes back. AU Warden asks, how insane is Jordan-Hare Stadium if Derek Brown doesn't knock down that third down pass that looked to most people like a possible interception for Jeremiah Denson? I don't think it would have been any crazier than, um, than the field goal ricocheting off the left upright one play later. I think it would have been about the same. Though it would have been interesting to see how far Denson was, would, would have been able to return that. Would Auburn, had a, would, it, would Auburn have a third pick six? <laughs> that would be nuts. Scott Forrester asks, is Arkansas looking at Gus? TJ asks, I know everyone is high off the W. Uh-oh, here we go. But don't we still need to address coaching staff issues, receivers, and quarterback coaching? We need better route running and production out of everyone, and not just 18 and 5. You're speaking, of course, about Seth Williams and Anthony Schwartz. Schwartz, who played only one snap in the Iron Bowl. Coaching staff issues. Well, um... Well, I saw Gus Malzahn get very mad at Cody Burns in the first half, and they had to burn two timeouts. So there were some substitution issues going on there. 
I guess, was very angry about. Quarterback coaching, I'm not sure. Um, I don't think the entire staff returns next season. Uh, so, But who returns and who doesn't, we'll see. But I think there's potential for some changes. There's always potential, but I think there will be changes. Uh, Zach the Beloved asks, Oh, boy. Oh, wow. Okay. We're going into... Get your tinfoil hats on, everybody. Why did Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, look so mad towards the end of the game? Zach, by the way, attached a picture from a bad cell phone picture of Sankey standing on the sideline in the end zone. He left right after the missed field goal. I also saw Alan Green and Greg Sankey shake hands and talk with obvious fake smiles. How are they obvious fake smiles? How do you know that, Zach? Man, Greg Sankey needed Alabama to win, right? That's what he wanted, right? No. In fact, Sankey was in the press box earlier in the game, and I was nowhere near him, but I was told that he was very much enjoying the back and forth of the game. He thought it was very entertaining, apparently. Um... And I guarantee you Sankey wanted to leave because the game was about to end um, because he knew it after the missed field goal. And he probably wanted to get out of the way because he was standing right next to the student section and probably didn't want to get trampled. He knew what was coming. So remove your tinfoil hat. Jay asks, how perfect is the irony that Nick Saban was demanding an extra second for a field goal in 2013? but is now complaining about Auburn getting one second for a field goal in 2019, among many other complaints. That's what makes sports great, Jay. Just everything always balances itself out. And uh, I'll say this, Nick Saban really whined a lot after that game. Really whined a lot. Will there be a new rule in 2020 that opposing coaches are not allowed to outsmart Saban, says Jay? (laughs) That's funny. You know, I wrote about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plugging my own stuff. And the five questions answered. Um, Gus Malzahn was setting up several things in that game to potentially set up other plays later. And one of those was that formation where they put Aaron Sipos, the punter, at receiver. And they put, um, you know, the offense out there with Bo Nix at quarterback and Whitlow at running back to confuse Alabama with a minute six left on fourth and four. Um You know, because earlier in the game, remember, they put Bo Nix out there. They kept the offense out there, and he pooch kicked it because he can do that. Um, He's done that in high school, and he's obviously doing it now at Auburn. He hadn't done that in a while at Auburn since earlier in the season, but they did that against Alabama. And you could tell, I was like, are they trying to get Alabama into some type of safe haven where if they see Nix out there on a fourth and medium situation that the offense isn't going to do anything, he's just going to kick it? And then if they put Sipos out there at receiver or move him around, that it'll confuse them more and maybe get them in an issue where um, they have to burn a timeout or um, uh, not necessarily burn a timeout, but maybe they get an infraction penalty, substitution penalty like they end up getting and cost them the game. It worked, but Gus was setting it up. And how about the wildcat play with Whitlow handing it off on the sweep? Jet sweep to uh, Sean Shivers for the 11-yard touchdown run on the last drive for Auburn. We haven't seen that very much. Boy, did it work. 
James A. Thompson asks, what are your predictions for any position changes this year? Well, I wrote about that in our VIPs, what we are hearing. So go read that. Is it really tough out there to think that Chad Morris is hired as a new offensive coordinator and his son comes along as well? Um, I think Dillingham or Cody Burns would have to leave or both. Um, if that happens, I wouldn't be surprised if Chad Morris comes aboard. He and Gus are very close friends. Uh, Chandler, I think his name is Morris, is a quarterback, obviously. Chad's son. I'm sure he'd probably come along, probably to Auburn. I, maybe. Who knows? I don't know. But I, I would not be shocked at all. I mean, if Chad Morris is the quote-unquote OC next season with Gus still running, calling the plays. Lee Payne asks, how good could the basketball team be? Uh, they could be top 10 and a Sweet 16 team this year. They moved up to, what, number 14 in the AP poll uh, this week? We'll see. They're, they're still growing. They're still gelling. We'll see when they get to about midway through the SEC season. Brent Bonzo Barnes asks, why did Gus and Cody get into it during the game? Oh, yeah, I mentioned this earlier, uh, Brent. Um, there were some substitution issues, and I think Gus was getting on to Cody for it. Matt Bolin asks, as frustrating as the Gus situation can be, should situations like Texas and Southern Cal recently make us more appreciative? Uh, simply put, Matt, yes. What have Texas and USC done recently? Texas what? They won the, uh, what was it, Sugar Bowl last year against Georgia? And then they went 7-5 and five this year? And they're the butt of jokes where everybody's tweeting Texas is back whenever they win a game. And USC's just like hovering at the bottom of the top 25 and never really challenging for the Pac-12 title. And some of you go, well, Auburn hasn't really challenged for the, Pac for the SEC title. Well, yes, they are. They went to the SEC championship game two years ago. And they beat Alabama this year, a playoff contender. And they got their offense returning next season, other than the offensive line. They're skilled players. Auburn's been to three SEC championship games in this decade, been to two national championship games. Be careful what you wish for, people. You get USC, you could you could be Texas right now, you could be Tennessee. I know Tennessee ended the season with five straight wins, but it wasn't like they were beating ranked teams. They're beating SEC East teams. Lee Paint, or excuse me, I already asked, answered Lee's uh Question. James Camfer asks, where will the Tigers end up bowling? Good question. Could be the Citrus Bowl, but a lot of that's going to depend on what happens to the SEC championship game. And secondly, how high Alabama finishes in the playoff rankings, because that'll have a lot to do with whether they go to a New Year's Six game. I suspect Alabama's still going to go to a New Year's Six game, and so will Georgia and Florida. Maybe, or one of them could be bumped down and they go to the Citrus Bowl, which is the top bowl outside the New Year's Six. And then out, then once you get beyond the Citrus Bowl, you can land anywhere, as far as Auburn's case, anywhere among six bowls. They call it the Pool of Six. But as it stands, I know they don't really have a pecking order, but there's still kind of a pecking order there. So I think Auburn would probably still be in the state of Florida. So if they don't get Citrus Bowl... Probably the Outback Bowl or the Gator Bowl. Um, I would think that they would probably be more willing if they don't get the Citrus Bowl 
to try and place Auburn in the uh, Gator Bowl since they haven't been there since, what, 1974? And it would be a good matchup. It might be Michigan. It might be Minnesota um, in the Outback. Or, excuse me, the Gator Bowl. Or even the Outback um, or Penn State. Um, Citrus Bowl would probably be Michigan, which would be fun. We'll see. Barnell asks, and this is our final question. Thanks, Barnell. If Nick Saban, who's right up my alley, here we go. If Nick Saban were a RoboCop villain, would he be Dick Jones or Clarence Boddicker? Uh, Barnell, he'd be Dick Jones because Dick Jones is high in the o- OCP towers, kind of the puppet master to everything. He's willing to do anything to, to have power. Uh, <laughs> um, He's very much into the politics of everything, but he's also seen as something of a uh, um, a genius. Though Dick Jones is nearing the end of his career, his apex, which, hey, a lot of people would argue right now Nick Saban's nearing the end of his uh, apex. Um, Clarence Bodker was like more boots on the ground guy. He was always getting his hands dirty. You know, he, he wasn't the man wearing suits. He didn't work for OCP. Um, he just did their bidding, um, to help clear things out. And he was always on the CD side of things. Whereas Dick Jones was seen as, you know, one of the top guys in the corporation, but he was, I'm not saying Nick Saban's evil, but <laughs> Dick Jones was evil. Um, and he was always doing things. Um, he created a 209, which was a faulty, uh, robot. That was supposed to be a law enforcement droid, but would always malfunction in big moments. And then all of a sudden, this young, younger coach, younger coach, this younger executive named uh, uh, Bob Morton, or in this case, Gus, Gus Malzon, comes along with an idea for the RoboCop program, where you meld machine with human. And that ends up being more of a success and much more uh, trustworthy because of the human component mixing with the cybernetics than the Ed 209 droid. And in the end, Robocop ends up winning that battle, even though Clarence Boddicker is trying to undercut the whole situation by turning to other means and trying to adapt uh, to take down the, the new kid on the block, but uh, fails in the end. So I'd go with Dick Jones if if Nick Saban were a RoboCop villain. <laughs> Can't believe that. Wow. That's a deep cut. I don't think anybody's really going to understand. But anyway, I got respect for Nick Saban. The guy's the best coach in college football history. He is. I know a lot of you are going to go, oh, how dare you? But he is. What he's done at Alabama is incredible. And at LSU. Uh, I mean, goodness, four four national titles this past decade. Consider this, four national titles at Alabama this decade, and Auburn beat them four out of ten times during that time. <laughs> and Auburn went to two national championships itself and won one and won, won two SEC titles. That's not bad being in the same state, in the same conference, when Alabama was as dominant as any program in the nation and had – a dynasty rolling in the 2010s. Pretty impressive. All right, guys. 
Go to auburn.247sports.com. Take advantage of our Cyber Monday deal that's going through Tuesday now. 75% off an annual subscription. It's the best deal we've had since I've been on board these last six years. Six years? Three years. I've been here seven years almost, but three years of 24-7. Anyway, go take advantage of it. It ends today. You've got to go get it because if you miss out on it, you're going to have to pay full price and you're you're not going to want to do that. We have had lots of people sign up, and because of that, 24-7 is allowing us to extend the deal a day because, man, the response has been fantastic. Anyway, go sign up, auburn.247sports.com. Other than that, it's basketball season, and we'll soon find out about the bowl game. Um, We'll try to record a roundtable podcast later this week, some recruiting news on the horizon, plenty of stuff to keep track of at auburn.247sports.com. I've been your host, Brennan Marcello. I'll see you down the road. No one has it covered like 24-7 sports. Go undercover with Auburn Undercover. Auburn Undercover.